0: Um, well, I'd like to start, I guess, with an initial overview of why you started Ubuntu Core. If that's part of the presentation, then feel free to go into it. Um, but that's, I guess, the there would be the good starting point. Like, what what was its purpose, and why did Canonical decide to to do it, to introduce it?
1: That's great. So let me answer that question, and I'll just refer to slides randomly as uh, mm-hmm. slides sort of illustrate the. Illustrates the picture. Um, I think perhaps uh, slide three might be a good starting point. Um, why did we create Ubuntu Core? That's uh, that's actually addressing a very specific need in the market, and that is uh, to create a developer-friendly operating system environment for this explosion of things, this explosion of devices, smart devices that. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're really in the midst of creating at this point. Um, I give a presentation sometimes uh, to a developer audience where uh, on a slide uh, I'll I'll show a a one-line command that you can run uh, NMAP on your local network. Uh, You run NMAP, scan your entire local network with the dash dash OS fingerprint option. Uh, And NMAP will do its best to guess what operating system down to even some specific kernel versions of what's running on your on your home network. Um, and InMap does this through uh, some smart ways, just the way it forms packets and looking at the responses. Uh, it's got a database of heuristics where it can do a pretty good job of guessing what version of what operating system uh, are on all of these devices around your house. Uh, and if you're somewhat security conscious and you run that, I can almost guarantee that uh, the results will both amaze and frighten you you'll find a a ton of devices on your home network that you had no idea were running an operating system uh, a linux mm-hmm. operating system and in some cases a very old linux two four two six uh, uh... operating system that has never been updated frankly it's, it's been you know it was it was built five maybe ten years ago and has never seen an update so at its very core the reason we created Ubuntu core was for uh, for security reasons honestly to create an operating system that could be updated by uh, a trusted operating systems vendor uh, at scale in mass throughout the entire world um, but to do so with the developer focus the balance of usability uh, that Ubuntu developers um, uh, know and understand and feel and have come to come to expect, um, if you've tried to develop uh, an application for uh, an embedded system, something, something like one of the more traditional embedded OSs, a, a Wind River um, or a, um, a Monta Vista or something like that, it's nothing like the Ubuntu developer experience. So here I would say uh, slide nine is the other, other slide that's quite pertinent here. Uh, just the way that we put this together we put it together in a way that the kernel and the OS are themselves minimal and designed for that embedded use case but applications themselves are built and constructed and developed uh, according to principles that are far more uh, far more common in the in the in the Ubuntu develop, development world so I think that's the the, the
0: sure no no just so from from a kind of business perspective as well um obviously the iot world is is a very multi-faceted world there are companies making quality well-supported products and there's a lot of companies making cheap rubbish that they release and then forget about so um from a business decision as well uh is this something you will feel is sort of supplemental to your desktop business or do you actually feel that it's going to be probably bigger than the desktop business
1: that's a that's a great question when you said when you said rubbish are you talking about the hardware or the software or both
0: <laughs> both <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's that's funny um yeah so i it, I'll answer the, the latter part of your question, which I think is, is pretty easy, and then I, I'd like to go deeper into the the first part. The latter part of your question was, you know, is this going to uh, supplement or replace uh, or, or be bigger or smaller than our desktop business? The opportunity here is tremendous compared to the, the desktop mm. business. Um, I'm sure if you followed Ubuntu the story of Ubuntu and Canonical since its inception mm. in 2004, we really started out as an, a desktop OS, and in 2004 – uh, we set out with this uh, mantra to uh, supplant Windows as the primary primary desktop. To really bring Linux uh, to the fore, uh, and we we created something pretty incredible in the Ubuntu desktop, a desktop that definitely caught uh, the the developer winds. Um, you know, we, we definitely have always had the developer winds to our back. Um, where, quite frankly, I I, I think it's it's uh, you know in retrospect or in hindsight. What we never did quite achieve uh, was breaking through with a Linux desktop uh, that actually, at tremendous scale, in the, in the billions of user scale, replaced a Windows or a Mac desktop. Um, that didn't happen. As much as we would have liked it to happen and as, as much as that would have uh, you know, really changed the, uh, perhaps the, the landscape of the Linux desktop, it just that, it wasn't to be. Um now, what has happened since two thousand and four is is the the complete and utter uh, prevalence of Linux in everywhere and everything you can possibly imagine. Um, and that's a lot of Ubuntu, uh, but it's also a lot of Chrome OS and a lot of Android. Um, so to an extent, Linux did show up. Uh, it's just it wasn't it wasn't canonical and, and Ubuntu alone. Now, all that said, the real opportunity here, uh is and this is back to the heart of that that, that that latter part of your question. The real opportunity here uh is to provide that operating system that absolutely um that absolutely is consistent and secure and uh developer friendly on those on those devices. Now you mentioned devices uh and and you know the the experience and some of those are pretty pretty rough. Um, you know, there's a big difference, I would say, between the industrial side of the Internet of Things and the, the consumer, the commercial side, right? Um, so it's easy to talk about drones. I think I had a drone picture on that on slide three. Uh, there's a big difference between the consumer drone you buy for $99 that was built in um, in, in in China uh, and the drone that is being used to survey um a construction site or um, or deliver um, uh, pesticides or fertilizers at an industrial scale to an agricultural development. Um, those are two very different experiences. Uh, we're working with vendors on both sides of that uh, spectrum. Um, I would say that I'm quite a bit more optimistic about the commercial opportunity around the uh, industrial devices. Um, and it doesn't... It doesn't matter what sort of IoT thing you're.
0: Doing. Yeah, it's a fool's errand trying to convince the kind of small, mass-manufactured, mass sort of Chinese business IoT devices to do any better because it's not really their model.
1: That's right. It's a yeah. different business model, and you know, yeah. you got to focus on there. You know, the focus is on on margins as opposed to quality, sure, and, uh, and scale as opposed. to...
0: And just shifting quickly to a slight horizontal industry, because you say uh, Linux is everywhere and one other area that Ubuntu Core is in, although you sort of mention it briefly kind of on the product page, but actually I would imagine it's also a significant part of Ubuntu Core's rollout is in container deployments as well, so not necessarily IoT world. Um and and how much are you pushing towards that instead of? Well, I think uh, I'm having a complete and total blank for a second. Alpine, that's the other. That's the the other kind of popular container Linux. So uh, how much how much do you balance the kind of push into IoT versus the push into container installments as well?
1: Yeah, the, the the great part of the story, Chris, is that the two feed off of one another quite quite well. The technology is the exact same. It's the same engineering team uh, that's building that immutable, read-only, super secure, minimal OS uh, that's useful for drones and robots and self-driving cars. Uh, it's also useful in the in the cloud. Um, now, the one thing that we're we're not going to do is uh, completely replace the Ubuntu experience underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, the hundreds of millions of Ubuntu instances that uh, run in the cloud any given any given you know month um, that scale is such that uh, we're doing something right with traditional Debian-based Deb's uh, Ubuntu you know just the, the, the traditional Linux operating system where root can do whatever root wants to do inside of that that system um, that we we cannot and will not take that away from. Uh, a tremendous uh, user and developer base. What we are doing is we're supplementing that traditional Ubuntu with uh, Ubuntu Core as an option in the cloud. And it does make a really nice, I used all of those same adjectives that I'll use again, immutable, secure, read-only, transactionally updated OS that stays underneath the containers and then you do the interesting work in these sort of disposable, ephemeral uh, containers. Mm. Um, now you mentioned Alpine here. Alpine is uh, focused very specifically on the OS inside of the container. Yep. What I what I just talked about up until this point is the OS under the container, mm. where Ubuntu Core is uh, an excellent call ah, it hypervisor. Okay, you know, okay,
0: okay, right. You see okay. that? Yeah, I get you. Yep. Um, yep. He,
1: yeah, the other alternatives. I mean, if you if you wanted to if you wanted to know who the competition is in this space, it's fundamentally Red Hat Atomic
0: yep, and yep.
1: CoreOS Container yep. Linux as yep. a host. Yep, now, sure. inside of the guest, sure, there is there there certainly is some noise around Alpine, uh, which is a Docker acquisition uh, as a minimal OS inside of the container. We've done quite a bit of work to take Ubuntu and trim it down to something that is Alpine size, um, a minimal Ubuntu image. We continue to reduce the footprint of the Ubuntu that runs inside of the, the container. Um, now, it, it is a little bit bigger than Alpine, but not much. Mm. Uh, basically, what we've defined, the minimal Ubuntu inside of the, the container uh, is the, 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 the smallest number of binaries required to be able to apt-get install anything else that you might want inside of that container. Mm. So it's really just like a a very small bootstrap container. Now users, developers in particular, uh, do like the Ubuntu um, Docker container or container inside, OS inside of that container because it's such a consistent experience Mm. with what uh, they might be running on bare metal in a virtual machine, perhaps on some of these devices uh, that are that are running around, and so from that perspective, that consistency is is super valuable. Uh, we we're, we're actually working with a number of customers who are setting up shadow devices in the cloud. It's become a somewhat common practice for especially these uh, super expensive industrial type devices to to basically run a copy of that device as a VM or a container uh, in the public cloud or in a private cloud. Uh, for backup purposes, sometimes changes are tested in the shadow of the device in the cloud uh, before they're rolled out to the device. Um, it's it's actually quite a powerful uh, developer methodology to have a copy of uh, that device in the cloud. Mm-hmm.
0: I, one one more, I've got one more question. Anyway, we'll see where it goes on Ubuntu Core, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, snaps. Just in regard to where Ubuntu Core fits into the whole other kind of Ubuntu ecosystem, so I guess two questions on this. One would be uh, how much of, this might be a naive question or a dumb question, I'm not sure, but how much of Ubuntu Core is uh, reliant on Debian? And then equally, is Ubuntu Core quite separate from Ubuntu Desktop or are you now kind of using Ubuntu Core as the core for desktop as well? Uh, that's, that's, a good, that's a really good question.
1: Let me, let me lay it out for uh, you. So Ubuntu itself is dependent on Debian. Mm. We, uh, we source uh, many open source packages, m- most libraries. Uh, the vast majority come in from Debian unmodified. Now we do make a lot of modifications to certain, certain uh, important packages or libraries. Our tool chain is a bit different. Um, so you know there is a distinct Ubuntu ness of Ubuntu, um, um, or else there would be no Ubuntu. There would just be just be Debian. Um, but we do we do certainly give props to Debian. Uh, you know we we employ a number of De- Debian developers. We're encouraged uh, to make our changes in both Ubuntu and Debian. I do some uh, some development more or less as a hobby these days, but everything that I do in Ubuntu uh, has to go back up to Debian as well. Um, so, we, we definitely depend on, on Debian. Um, Ubuntu Core depends on Ubuntu. Okay, so I said Ubuntu depends on Debian. Ubuntu Core depends on Ubuntu. The binaries that go into Ubuntu Core, if you were to run uh, MD5SUM or CheckSUM on uh, every binary on the file system inside of Ubuntu Core, just you know, user bin, for example, you would find binaries that are bit for bit identical to Ubuntu, okay? That's important because all of the work, all of the engineering, the security, the updates, the bug fixes that filter into Ubuntu make their way into Ubuntu core as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not different binaries. Those are the same. Um, But the way the image is put together is different. Um, Fundamentally, you know, if you're familiar with the Unix Linux system, uh, traditional Ubuntu has a bunch of files installed at root, and if you have the right permissions, uh, you can make changes. You can edit configuration files, uh, or you, it may be inadvisable, but you can start replacing and moving files around uh, the, the file system itself. That's quite different in the Ubuntu Core world because the root file system itself is a read-only image. All of your root file system is mounted as a read-only SquashFS on top of uh, Slash, the, the root partition, and that is immutable. You, you can't modify that if you want it. You would have to replace that entire underlying read-only image. So basically our build processes have been adapted for Ubuntu Core to build a root file system, an OS, that that is that functions as a read only uh, operating system. Make sense?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I guess I guess in, in summary, my assumption that Ubuntu Core was at the core of Ubuntu desktop, it's actually flipped on its head. It's kind of you take the packages from that instead and bring them into core instead. It's the newer. Product.
1: Uh, I- that's right. Yeah, I guess the, the name could throw you for a loop because it's, it's called Core. You might think that's what that's a Core, but uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I I could go into more detail, but I think you've got your head wrapped around it. Sure. Now yeah. you asked about desktop.
0: So um, desktop, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: at least for our our next release, uh, at least through our next LTS, which mm. is Ubuntu eighteen oh four, that's mm-hmm. set to be released in. April of 2018, that'll be our five-year supported LTS. Uh, the desktop is now a, a hybrid between traditional Ubuntu, which is mm. dev-based and that you know root-can-write-anywhere type, type file system. Um, but the desktop now combines both traditional dev packages as well as Snap packages. So you wanted to move on to Snap. Yeah. It's a great let's, opportunity. to let,
0: let's, let's move forward to Snaps. I mean, I guess when I initially encountered them, I thought, well, I still think great idea. I haven't changed my mind, but I thought what a great idea. This is basically um, in my dabbles with Linux. One of my biggest frustrations has always been kind of compatibility of packages for different variants and you know the wonderful thing about the open source world is you have so many options but that's also one of the biggest problems because it gets super confusing very quickly Um, and having this in my my first viewing was like oh it's kind of a universal package format for linux um basically making it a lot easier for people to find the applications they need but now based on some of this discussion and looking again at the, the Snapcraft website and you've got other kind of, um, platforms listed here, which are definitely mostly embedded platforms. I'm now seeing that there's a bit more to it than that. So let's, uh, maybe dig in from there.
1: Yeah, I think you've got your, you've, you certainly got the right starting point. Um, maybe slide 13 might be a good slide just to have up in the background here. Mm. Um, where I was going to with the desktop, and this is true of the Ubuntu server, the traditional dev-based Ubuntu server as well, they're both hybrid in the sense that on both Ubuntu desktop and server, uh, you can run both traditional devs as well as snaps. So to date, we've got 50,000 uh, Ubuntu devs, with most of which come in through Debian. We've added a, a few and some softs on top. Um, but then on top of that, we've got, we also have the ability to install snaps. So as you said, snaps are a universal packaging um, uh, mechanism. Uh, snaps can run on lots of different operating systems. We've led this work for Ubuntu, but we've now seen snaps adopted on other mm. other OSs, some of which are some embedded OSs. As you say, the beautiful thing about snaps, and I say this as a an Ubuntu Deb developer and a Debian developer with almost uh, 20 years Linux packaging experience, snaps are really um, a, a redesigned packaging format with modern technology in mind. Um, devs and RPMs are, are certainly good at what they're, they're good at, uh, but that, that technology really stopped innovating in about 1995. And what's beautiful about Snap is we're taking advantage of a couple of really important security and confinement mechanisms that are present within Linux uh that includes uh apparmor which is a, a a mandatory access control system that includes namespaces user namespaces uh which which it enables us to map uids inside of an application uh elsewhere we use seccomp to to take care of system calls um, and fundamentally it's almost like containers uh nice. it, it uses some of the same technology in the linux kernel as containers uh but packaging using that 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 container mechanisms to secure applications as they're packaged
0: okay um and how i think uh let's let's stick with with snaps for now how how mature do you consider the uh, i'm not sure what to call it the the framework the platform the whatever you want to call it how mature do you consider it now
1: uh, yeah i think the I think the proof here is in the developer adoption. Hmm. Um, if you take a look at slide 16, you can see uh, some of the, the, the types and places where snaps are being uh, used. There's uh, a couple of thousand snaps as of now. Um, it is a uh, a technology that is, is servicing uh, a wide array from uh, desktop apps like. Uh, Spotify, which has always been a pain to package mm. the Spotify client on the Linux desktop, uh, to server-side snaps. Things like uh, Docker. In fact, Docker itself is packaged as a snap. Kubernetes. We we package Kubernetes. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. As a as a snap. In fact.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that's definitely a. I'm guessing a reasonably large application. Um, and. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and what so in comparison of packaging something like that for a uh, well it's not a it's not a desktop obviously it's a, usually a, typically a, a, a server or a virtual machine somewhere but is there much difference between packaging something like that than packaging something for a small embedded system that has much uh, less capabilities is it, are there any kind of different steps or other and how do you how does a developer sort of define those Those requirements and limits.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit different, especially with devices. Mm. Um, A device snap typically needs access to uh, some part of the some hardware, some part of the system, Mm -hmm. right? So, a a, a drone device would need access to the sensors, right? Mm -hmm. The camera and altimeter. Uh, and so forth. And so that snap needs to express through a really uh, elegant framework that we've created, um, that that snap would need to express, these are the permissions that I need uh, enabled uh, in in order to do the work I want to do. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, in the cloud, uh, that's usually not the case with some exceptions. In fact, some snaps in the cloud need access to the GPU, for instance. Inside of Amazon, you've got these, these big GPU instances with uh, with with massive NVIDIA GPUs. Uh, we actually can package uh, artificial intelligence or machine learning type applications where that snap expresses a need for hey, I run better when there's a GPU underneath me, right? So if you can give me access to the GPU, I can run 10, 20 times faster, mm-hmm. for instance. So some of that actually does does uh, come across. Now there are other. Uh, other cloud snaps that don't need any particular hardware access, in which case they're they're super simple. Um, I've created a number of snaps myself. It's usually a, a half an hour to an hour long process, okay. uh, and that's coming down from my experience creating devs, which is uh, you know a day or two. It's typically a, 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 a day's work to create a good dev. Um, in the snap case it's more like an hour's work. Mm-hmm.
0: And, I mean, what's the, what's the end goal? Are you looking to, at least in Ubuntu, where you have control, to replace um, apt-get at some point? Or will that always be there for some of the more legacy software?
1: I think it will always be there. Um, mm. In as much as some software is just really good at what it does. Mm. And it never needs to do anything else. Um, I do see I do see a point where there's a higher level abstraction that does the right thing. You know, we're quite good at that in Ubuntu, right? Where a, from a UI and a, a user experience perspective, we're just trying to help users get stuff done or developers get stuff done. Mm. Um, I could I could easily see an abstraction that says um, install um, Spotify was the earlier example, or mm-hmm. install Firefox. And the Ubuntu system then makes the decision, hey, would this be better to be done as a dev or a snap? Let me just do the right thing and stay out of the user's way. And then a you know, user who, who has a particular um, a tendency, you know, a, a user who really wants the snap version of something or the dev version of something, of course can express that they have a personal preference. Um, but I think what, what you'll see by Ubuntu 18.04 is – uh, and an elegant abstraction, so that mm-hmm. the, that individual users uh, aren't having to make snap versus Dev type type decisions. The operating system is doing the right thing on their behalf.
0: That's actually, I mean, that's actually a really a nice a nice point. I mean, I think this is one of the areas where people often struggle with making desktop Linux a, a good alternative. Is you know, it's it's a tinkerer's dream but if if that's a bit beyond you, then it can become a bit of a nightmare, and something that can just figure out the best options for users like that is actually a really fantastic idea. So I hope... Yeah, I hope... Uh, I guess I guess the problem with the open source community is always you hope that all the developers will be on board with it and make it possible, I guess.
1: <laughs> well, we you'll if you can rest assured, we'll do our part. You know, we, we're quite focused on that user experience and developer experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're proud of we're proud of our heritage there, but we don't take it for granted. We work very hard uh, to, to try and keep pushing that envelope, keep moving that, that ball forward. Um, but, you know, I think we've got a, a fantastic team with a ton of experience, um, uh, a lot of success behind us, and, you know, where we've made mistakes, we've tried to learn from those mistakes, mm-hmm. and... Ensure yep. that um, yep. that that we do better next time.
0: You know, yeah, for sure. And I think you're probably one of the Linux companies that has has made mistakes, but has made mistakes because you were trying something new. <laughs> and that's never a you know you you sometimes have to try new things to make mistakes. If you never try anything new, well, you're never going to make mistakes, but you'll never change anything either. So, so that's
1: so. right. That's so right. On that- it's about taking some risk. Everyone
0: sure. In a while. On that note, uh, kind of.
1: On that
0: of, note, well, I've got one last question. So, um, on that note, sure, just we've had, we've had a nice kind of overview of of core and snaps. But I guess what is kind of next on their roadmap or other new product roadmaps that ties into this or that you want to make sure people know about? Mm, that's a great question. Um, you know, I
1: think the I think the I think our killer advantage here uh, is going to be the tie, the tie-in between the cloud and the devices. Hmm. So smart devices are are you know rapidly becoming a part of our daily life and we're seeing massive investment from anywhere from those consumer companies to the to, to the industrial and everything in between. Every connected device has to have, by definition, a connection somewhere. It's talking to a service uh, that's running somewhere, most likely in the public cloud, but certainly in other cases, uh, private cloud type connections make more sense. Um, the, 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 the technical differentiator for the developers, you know, you said this was a developer audience. Uh, what we have going for us is that that service in the public cloud or in the private cloud is almost certain, certainly running Ubuntu already today. Seventy percent of the instances in Amazon are running are running Ubuntu. Uh, the developers that are writing the back-end services, those REST API endpoints that are receiving the telemetry from the self-driving car uh, or the, the 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 robot or the drone, um, that that endpoint is almost certainly an Ubuntu endpoint where the developer has chosen Ubuntu to deploy their. Uh, their Python application, their Golang application, or their, you know, Django web framework or something like that. Um, on the other side, though, inside of that device, uh, either in the startup case, it's probably the same developers working on that. In the you know, enterprise case, uh, there's a there's a CIO who's made some key technical, or CTO who's made a couple of key technical decisions that decided on some of the, the platforms or frameworks. Uh, and Ubuntu is extremely well-positioned To be uh, a really compatible layer from what's going on inside of the device as well as in the cloud. If we take the smart driving, the self-driving autonomous vehicle Mm. as an example, you know that that all of the autonomous vehicles today um, that we know about in the public are running Ubuntu on the Mm. autonomous CPU. There's usually three CPUs in a car Mm. these days, one of which is the autonomous CPU. That CPU is is across the board uh, running Ubuntu. It's either ARM or it's Intel, and in both cases, the, the smart driving cars are running Ubuntu. Now, those, those machines in the car have to make real-time decisions without a connection necessarily. Mm-hmm. When there is a connection, uh, it's able to download and retrieve um, inference models. You know, the, the models that are running in the cloud on those NVIDIA GPUs are crunching the numbers in the telemetry being sent by millions of units and then on a daily or weekly basis, each of those Teslas, each of those uh, Ubers or, or Lyfts or, or Google um, Google cars are downloading an updated model. The connection between the two, uh, the, the developer experience of Ubuntu on both is really, I think, you know, you were asking for what's, what's next. Uh, tying that experience together even more closely is – is is i think our our key focus and and driving the heart of our roadmap right now
0: okay excellent all right thanks very much for everyone's time um i'm going to put something together Can I ask you a question sure. sure yeah
1: yeah i'm curious any any observations here in this space that um that perhaps we've missed or uh, a gap that 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 you you perceive in what we're doing around Ubuntu.
0: I mean, the the thing for me, um, I sort of hinted at it slightly without wanting to get too um, too too blunt about it. Was I've I really like some of the ideas, and often I've tried them and hit problems, um, and that's been kind of my biggest observation. It's generally in the Linux world, but specifically I was very interested in trying these two technologies and I tried to sort of get started and I hit blocks and I hit problems quite quickly and sort of it's, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It may be because, uh, well, I was trying um, Ubuntu Core on a Raspberry Pi and I kept getting network connection issues and then I had to keep reinstalling because it's sort of, you know, it's aimed at an embedded system, so... this is just an assumption that people know what they're doing and then I was trying something with snaps but I was trying Ubuntu installed on an old MacBook so maybe there were some hardware support issues there I'm not sure but um, I don't know that's that's kind of been my main thing is I, I sort of really want this stuff to be successful but every time I try it I hit issues and it's always a little little bit of a shame that there are still a lot of these issues when people are trying so hard to make Linux more accessible. Um, yeah, I guess that's my main observation. I don't really have a solution, <laughs> but, but yeah. I, yeah. And I, I will that go feedback. and try again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that feedback. I'm, I'm sorry that was your experience. I can certainly follow up with very specific instructions for Ubuntu Core and the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, uh, it yeah. is quite straightforward. If you've got an SD card, it's a matter of downloading the, the image, writing that image, that was the, uh, and then plugging uh, yeah. in the Raspberry Pi. That was yeah.
0: the thing that I think, because every time I made a mistake, you have to basically kind of start again. And it took a few periods of trial and error to figure out um, what the, the best way to connect was. And I sort of ended up kind of realizing that probably Ethernet was the best network connection and you know, but you just because because if you lose the connection to it, um it's somewhat hard to actually control the thing anymore. So you have to kind of keep wiping and starting again. (laughs) So that was the main frustration. But, you know, it's an embedded system device. I'm not expecting it to be quite as straightforward as installing a desktop OS. But I think it's more, you know, just more my time is limited for each thing I want to write about. And then when you hit some blocks, you're like, oh, I'll just come back to this later. So, um, yeah, but I I keep wanting to try them, especially with the snaps thing. That is sort of something I find very appealing. Um, And I will have another go. I don't think, I've just found a good getting started tutorial that I don't think was there last time I looked. I'm not sure what was there before. So I'm going to take another look at that one.
1: Something, Are you
0: looking um, at as as well. Um This was on Snapcraft. Learn to craft your first snap. Ah,
1: good, good, good.
0: Yeah. Um, Excellent. Yeah, so I'll one. have another go of that one, I think, um, and try to put, like, a little bit of uh, tutorial side into this as well. But yeah. Something I, as
1: well, uh, Chris. I know that we've been looking at doing it. Um, we're going to follow up on this separately afterwards, but I know that we were potentially talking about doing kind of a more... Um Uh, in-depth uh tutorial uh type briefing so we can we can um chat about that separately every and a half of this but i'll go back and uh, try some things
0: and see if i hit any other issues um a lot of the time it might also be i was trying things in virtual machines and stuff like that um for some some proprietary reasons i am most of the time a dirty mac user so sometimes i'm trying things in virtual machines and stuff like that so which isn't always ideal